God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, so Joe Biden gave an address to the country about gun violence. And, you know, my question is, um, when you have a uh, government that wants to take away your guns, uh, I think Tucker Carlson made a good point when he said, well, you know, the government wants to take away Russia's guns and, and demilitarize Russia, but they want to arm Ukraine. So, you know, that's exactly what they're doing here. They want to arm someone like Cory Bush. Cory Bush could walk around with armed guards, and that's fine because the guards would be exempt from, you know, from uh, their, they would be exempt from these gun bans and red flag laws. Um, and it would, and the police also would. So, but just the people are going to get punished for what a few people did. And you know, I have to say that where was the where were these crimes before, say, Columbine in nineteen ninety nine, April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine? You had Columbine, but where, where was the gun violence before that? And ever since then, it seems like it's been used as a tool. For political gain, almost like, you know, when Cori Bush and Kamala Harris decided to uh, push this agenda for anti-lynching. And all of a sudden you get these weird crimes in Chicago, like Jesse Smollett hanging himself, pouring bleach all over himself and just making stuff up. Now, I'm not saying these things are made up, but I am saying that somehow... Our psychology, our psychologists aren't treating these crazy people that are shooting people up. They're, and they're almost gaslighting and creating a, a crazy environment. I remember uh, being turned on to this YouTube where they said, go ahead and do this. Try, try it out. Now, they've changed this since. But you, if you were to search for, you know... Uh, Black family with children, you would get 
a, a white gay, two white gay guys and a, a, called a family. Soy boys or whatever. And you would get, if you were looking for a white uh, family with a child, you would get a black family on Google. And, you know, you'd be looking for that for clip art uh, to try to tell a story in an article or whatever. Um, but it was almost, you know, it was almost foolproof at the time. It was almost, the algorithm was almost backwards. And you say, well, why did they do that? And I think it's to create this confusion and chaos, this level of anxiety that one gets when what they're asking for and what's being delivered are not as expected. And you're being told, oh, well, that's that's what it is. And then the two standards of justice. You know, you, we see some Sussman or Hillary Clinton get away with murder. We see someone like Trump, someone who, you know, America loves Donald Tr- Trump. And you see this. And you see him get impeached twice. You know, the Bradford File tweets, everything was better with Trump in office, and they impeached him twice. Why would they do that? Meanwhile, breaking, the price of gas has nearly doubled since Biden took office. Gas was 239 on January 20th, 2021. Today, it's 472. And we're supposed to be happy with that. Of course, we're not. And, you know, we have to stop funding the enemy. We have to stop giving money to our adversaries and to our enemies. I I don't see the point in strengthening someone like Nancy Pelosi who wants to ruin your life. It's clear, it's obvious that, you know, The liberals in America want to open your borders and destroy your life with open borders. They want to give your money away, $40 billion to Ukraine to clean up their money laundering schemes. I mean, there's no accountability for any of this. Samantha Power is handling all the purse strings for USAID. And no one knows where that money's going. All kinds of kickbacks are being had. She's become the most popular person in Africa and elsewhere. And then you got Tedros from the WHO, and their perpetuation and pushing of of uh, pandemic uh, recourse uh, strategies that are going to basically chip away at our civil rights. And we've ceded our sovereignty to another nation, a foreign nation or a foreign organization. The WHO, the WEF, all these organizations are even private. They're not even publicly elected officials like Klaus Schwab sits there at Davos and talks about all kinds of grand schemes and corporate partnerships because it's the corporations that really truly run the world. They control our, they control our media so that our Constitution has no say. You know, the workaround to the Constitution with regard to free speech and censorship is to just privatize it. Privatize anything that you can't pass yourself. So, of course, that's what they're doing. They're working with corporate partners. Like I said, years, you know, I've been saying for years, 
Jim Crow was adopted by liberal and social, socialist and Democrat local and state leaders. It was a Democrat thing to be a segregationist, to be a separatist. Is a Democrat concept. First class and segregation and sequestration is a Democrat process. Behind closed doors is a is a Democrat concept. And so is first class pat- ticketing. That's a first. That's a uh, Democrat concept. So this Jim Crow uh, situation was unconstitutional. It would have never flown, uh, passed the muster in the courts. So what they did was they hired corporations. They came up with a green book and the corporations adopted because they wanted to be friendly with their governments to get government contracts and perks. And those who didn't participate in the right way were probably ousted. Maybe they were shut down. Maybe they had inspectors come to their office every day and Tell them that they're, uh, they had bed bugs in their hotels and and uh, their kitchens weren't sanitary. You know, the uh, um, inspection and uh, licensing, LNI, I think they call it. Um, you know, Philadelphia, uh, that used to be one of the biggest things. I think that the mayor was involved in that. Mayor Kinney was involved in that kind of corruption at one point and would basically shake people down. So, you know, Philadelphia, that's quite common. And uh, in any case, that's what we're faced with. We're faced with a government that wants to de-arm you. Think about that. They, they don't like you. They don't trust you. Never mind the fact that, you know, the gun hasn't changed since 1999, but the escalation of school shootings has Maybe it's not the gun after all, because the gun was acting and behaving just fine uh, before 1999. But then after 1999, whether it's a copycat to Columbine or whatever it was, MK Ultra maybe, you know, and doc, uh, taking people in to their scientific studies and treating them like lab rats. We've seen that they're capable of doing this with COVID. So, I don't know. I'm just not buying it. You know, the gun doesn't pull its own trigger. It's the people that do it. So, something has changed in the way what makes us uh, people. And I think it's the separation and this gaslighting. I think Obama contributed in large part to uh, a lot of the race baiting and segregationist behavior and you know helped launch Black Lives Matter out of Ferguson when here it is his cop was just doing his doing his best to do the job uh, to, to keep the streets safe and you got a sug like Michael Brown that somehow became a champion sort of like George Floyd who who makes these leaders these these champions and puts them up on pedestals and creates statues for them and they want to take down Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and George Washington and replace them with George Floyd and Michael Brown and all kinds of crap. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, and then you have these people in Congress that get elected 
And they have that same mentality, that same moronic, same moronic, stupid mentality. And they're actually getting to call the shots. They couldn't shine your shoes on their best day. And yet they're making policy. It's frustrating, folks. And I'm sick and tired of paying taxes to get this kind of crap in in return. And somehow we have to figure out a way to stop funding this stuff. And maybe then it would make more sense that we would get representation with taxation. But our taxation isn't being fairly represented. So we're going to take a listen to Tucker Carlson's open, and uh, let's take a li- and let's take a listen to this because he he, uh, he had a really good open. He addressed uh, Joe Biden's address to the nation about gun violence, and uh, so let's take a listen to this. Facing almost certain defeat for his party in the midterm elections five months from now, Joe Biden has become desperate. He's decided to leverage the murder of 19 children in Texas last week for political advantage. He just spoke at some length from the White House about the need to disarm the population. We're going to spare you all of it. We've taken a a few select sound bites that sum up the president's message. Here they are. Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute. This isn't about taking anyone's rights. It's about protecting children. It's about protecting families. It's about protecting whole communities. It's about protecting our freedom to go to school to a grocery store, to a church, without being shot and killed. We need to ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. Strengthen background checks. Enact safe storage law and red flag laws. Repeal the immunity that protects gun manufacturers from liability. Address the mental health crisis deepening the trauma of gun violence and as a consequence of that violence. These are rational, common-sense measures. And if Congress fails, I believe this time a majority of the American people won't give up either. I believe the majority of you will act. So to summarize the president's remarks tonight, your constitutional rights are not absolute, but in taking them away, we're not actually taking away your rights. We're protecting children, to which you might ask, am I a threat to children? That question is never answered by the president. The point of this, of course, is to disarm people who did not vote for Joe Biden. And that is why simultaneous with this, this effort to recategorize the guns in your closet as felonies, Democrats have been failing to prosecute gun crimes in our cities, where most of the crime is. And if you're at all confused about whether the effort here is selective, if this is enforcement only at certain people, you'll notice the president never mentioned the apparent federal gun felony his own son committed when he lied on a federal background form when he bought a handgun. Didn't mention that. Justice Department has completely ignored it. Instead... Biden's fellow Democrats in the House of the Representatives spent the day debating ways to disarm you, Americans who've committed no crime at all and want only to protect themselves and their families. Democrats plan to criminalize possession of what they're calling large-capacity ammunition feeding devices. That is, specifically, any magazine that can hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Well, as it turns out, that is most magazines in the United States. Tens of millions of Americans right now have so-called high-capacity magazines in their homes. 
They're not militia members. They're not gun nuts. They are normal people. And the reason they have them is because most modern handguns and rifles use that type of magazine, the kind that Joe Biden is telling you is threatening and esoteric. And these same firearms, the ones in your house right now, will not accept the kind of diminished magazines Joe Biden is demanding you use. And that means, in effect, all of those guns will be banned. Which guns specifically? Well, for example, the Glock 19, probably the most popular handgun in the United States. The Glock 19 comes from the manufacturer with a 15-round magazine. Now, the Glock 19 is not an especially scary firearm. It's a workmanlike pistol. If you have any interest in guns at all, you probably already own one. But under this bill, the Glock 19 would be banned, illegal, a felony sitting in your bedside table. And so would many other popular firearms in the United States. Now, this is about saving the children, Joe Biden just told us. But how many lives would this new law save? Well, we know the answer. Zero. Not one. We know that because there is precisely no evidence at all and never has been that larger magazines somehow inspire mass shootings. But of course, saving lives is not the point of this. Disarming you is the point. Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe tried to explain that at a hearing today of the House Judiciary Committee. Watch how this unfolded. Here's a gun I carry every single day to protect myself, my family, my wife, my home. Comes with a 15-round magazine. Here's a seven-round magazine, which would be less than what would be lawful under this bill if this bill were to become law. It doesn't fit. So this gun would be banned. I hope the, the gun is not loaded. I'm at my house. I can do whatever I want with my guns. So you heard a voice in the background. Greg Stubbe obviously knows his way around firearms. That was his gun. But off camera, you heard Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas interrupting Greg Stubbe to tell him how to handle the firearm in his own home. So is Sheila Jackson Lee a gun instructor? Now, what does she know about firearms? Well, glad you asked. Sheila Jackson Lee is the person who once explained to us that AR-15 shoot 50 caliber rounds and weigh more than, quote, 10 boxes, whatever that means. So Sheila Jackson Lee knows literally nothing about firearms, and yet she plans, without shame, to regulate them. But only regulate your guns. Sheila Jackson Lee has no intention of disarming her own bodyguards, for example, or her own constituents. The Democrats' bill contains an explicit exemption for bodyguards. Even Sheila Jackson Lee understands that the people protecting her family may need a lot more than 10 rounds. And most of them carry that. As the Washington Post put it, quote, American law enforcement officers ubiquitously carry handguns with more than 10 rounds of ammunition and often more than 15. It is also why their rifles typically have 20 or 30 round magazines, not 10. Now, why would Sheila Jackson Lee's bodyguards need all of those bullets? Why would anybody need all of those bullets, as Chuck Schumer often asks rhetorically? And the answer, of course, is because it's a dangerous world. And if you're serious about protecting the people you love, you will be serious about the firearm you carry. But it turns out, we know this for a fact now, Democrats are not serious about protecting you or your family. And that's why they defunded your police and called you a racist for complaining about it as your city collapsed. What they care about deeply, what they care about more than anything at all, is protecting themselves. And that's why their bodyguards will continue to get any kind of magazines they want. And what they want are high-capacity magazines. Democrats spent the rest of the day trying to figure out how to ban what Joe Biden has called ghost guns. Ghost guns, they're scary. Well, several states, it turns out, have already tried to ban ghost guns, but every state that has has run into the same problem. No one can say what a ghost gun is. It's a made-up term. It has no meaning. 
As a judge in Nevada put it late last year when he struck down a ban on so-called ghost guns, quote, Nevadans would face the risk of discriminatory enforcement by police and prosecutors alike as they, in their sole discretion and without guidance, could label almost anything an unfinished frame or receiver if it in any way resembles a firearm's undefined frame or lower receiver. In other words, any gun could be a ghost gun if Democratic operatives say it is. And of course, that's the way they like it. The bill before Congress defines ghost gun as a firearm, including certain firearm parts, that does not have a unique serial number engraved by a licensed manufacturer. Okay. But the question is, which part of a firearm should require engraved serial numbers? That's the question. On that question hangs whether or not your possession of this object is a felony or legal. Now, according to the bill, any, quote, essential component of the firearm would require an engraved serial number. But here's the point. Merrick Garland gets to make the call. This bill grants Merrick Garland, who is a craven and ruthless partisan, we know that for a fact at this point, grants Merrick Garland the sole authority to define what an essential component is. And if Merrick Garland decides you've got a, quote, essential component that does not have an engraved serial number, you're going to jail. See how this works? So once again, the point is not to stop school shootings. There's never been a school shooting with a so-called ghost gun. If you were interested in stopping school shootings, and all of us should be, you would take a serious look at why they happen in the first place. What do the people who commit them have in common? But no one in Congress, particularly on the Democratic side, is doing that. So this isn't an attempt to stop school shootings. It's not an attempt to make this a safer country. This is exactly what it looks like. The beginning of a plan to confiscate and criminalize firearms in the hands of the law-abiding in this country. And if you doubt that, know that Nancy Pelosi has already announced she's going to introduce legislation banning so-called assault weapons next week. Oh, assault weapons. What's an assault weapon? Any gun that Nancy Pelosi's bodyguards have that you should not be allowed to have. And there's also a new, quote, red flag law in progress. Now, that law would allow the government to seize firearms from anybody it wants, whether or not they committed a crime. Now, under our current system, you have to be convicted in order to be punished. But under the red flag laws, if someone doesn't like the cut of your jib, you lose your constitutional rights. Now, that's baldly unconstitutional. And you know it is because Democrats are suddenly talking about packing the Supreme Court in order to make it law. Watch. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it. And we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. Each and every day, we will do whatever it takes to end gun violence, whatever it takes. Uh huh. In our communities. Really, what's the murder rate in your community, pal? And what exactly have you done to make it better? Nothing. Mondaire Jones wants power, they all do, and to that end, he wants to end the filibuster, destroy the entire judiciary to, quote, end gun violence. A move like that raises a lot of questions. For example, does Mondaire Jones have any idea what he's talking about? Like, the details, because you're a lawmaker. Fox's Hillary Vaughn caught up with him today. She wanted to know what weapons of war he intends to ban. This is a revealing exchange. Watch this. Here's what he said. You mentioned you want weapons of war out of circulation. What is a weapon of war to you? Assault weapons. Assault weapons. So is that like semi-automatic handguns and rifles? Semi-automatic weapons. 
would qualify as assault weapons. And these are things that should be banned. You almost take almost every gun off of, out of people's hands. I mean, true. I mean, handguns, for example, would not qualify uh, under, under what I just described. I got I'm sorry, I gotta okay. go. <laughs> so yes, Mondaire Jones just explained. Yeah, all semi-automatic weapons, which Hillary Vaughn says, yeah, handguns, yeah, handguns. So you want to take everyone's handguns away? No, all handguns wouldn't qualify as assault weapons. Even though he just defined assault weapons as any, quote, semi-automatic weapon. So clearly Mondaire Jones knows what Hillary Vaughn was trying to tell him, that most firearms in this country, including most handguns, are, quote, semi-automatic weapons. Including only have 22 calibers that aren't causing a ton of school shootings. But when Hillary Vaughn points this out, Mondaire Jones runs away and probably not back to his district to lower the murder rate. He just didn't want to get into details. So what are we looking at here? Well, today, a guy on Twitter called Spike Cohen summed it up pretty nicely. Here's what he wrote. Quote, the U.S. government has been arming Ukraine because they're allies. The U.S. government has been seeking to disarm Russia because they're opponents. In totally unrelated news, the U.S. government seeks to disarm you. Well, exactly. That's the framing. That's the truth. Anyone who tries to disarm you, by definition, considers you an enemy. That's what you do to your enemies. You disarm them. Your friends, your allies, your children, people you love, why would you want to prevent them from defending themselves? You never would. You certainly wouldn't scream at them from the podium about how they're killing children if they want to protect their own families. That's what you do to your enemies. And yet somehow, a lot of Republicans, particularly in leadership, Mitch McConnell specifically, but a lot of others, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, don't seem to understand this, or maybe they do. One who does is Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. You saw him a moment ago. We're proud to have him join us right now. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. That was one of the most amazing exchanges I think I've ever seen. You're in your own home, and Sheila Jackson yeah. Lee tells you to put down the gun. What is this really about? Well, and she also, in that bill, they tell you how to store it. You know, as Joe Biden just talked about, you have to have a trigger lock. So when the person is breaking into your home, make sure you have your key next to you to get your trigger lock off your gun and respond appropriately. I was trying to highlight to the American people that this isn't just a magazine ban on rifles. This is every single semi-automatic weapon that takes more than a 10-round magazine would be banned, three of which I just happened to have, and I showed to make it very clear that a 10-round magazine doesn't fit in it. So by having the magazine ban, you are effectively banning all of these handguns that millions, hundreds of millions of Americans use every single day to defend themselves, them families, to protect their homesteads. Why not make it really simple? Why wouldn't Congress require that the laws it passes restricting and banning handguns apply to their own bodyguards? If they're sincere, if high capacity magazines are dangerous, then why should Sheila Jackson Lee's federally funded bodyguards get to carry them? I'm confused. Well, and Cori Bush is on that committee, and she spends hundreds of thousands of dollars of her campaign money every single year for bodyguards and security. And I can guarantee you, they are using the exact same weapons that Mr. Jones, you just highlighted, talked about banning as a, quote, assault rifle or assault weapon. But, I mean, but why shouldn't the laws apply to the people who make the laws? That seems oh, like a absolutely fairly solid principle. Yeah, they <laughs> Yeah, they absolutely should. And that's that's the hypocrisy of the left. Joe Biden has all the security. Nancy Pelosi has all the security. The, the Capitol Police have all the security. Yet they want everyday Americans like you and me at our homes, at our businesses as we drive. Some of us that have concealed carry permits to not be able to use the very weapons that we can utilize to protect our homes, our families and our loved ones. Right. And that's exactly what this is all about. 
That's exactly what it's all about. Now, let's uh, take a listen to Buck Sexton. He has a really good interview with Buck Sexton. Let's take a listen. How can you scream about gun violence and then, as a matter of policy, let gun criminals go? Well, this all stretches back years now to the end mass incarceration talking point that progressive prosecutors, whether it's Krasner, Gascon, uh, you name it, Kim Fox in Chicago, San Francisco, Philadelphia, New York City, look at the prosecutors in all these places. They were talking about ending mass incarceration. So that just meant bring down the number of people overall, just irrespective of anything else, that are in their county and, and, and city prisons. And what we've seen on the gun front specifically is a lot of diversion program, a lot of dropping of the charges. In the case of Philadelphia, you had more than half last year, and this is on the Philadelphia DA website, you can go check it out, more than half of prohibited possessors, meaning people who were previously criminals or un not allowed to even have a firearm, they had their cases dismissed entirely. So these are often going to be people that have already had a criminal record, that are under no circumstances able to be carrying a gun, they're carrying a gun illegally, and they just make the charge go away. Same thing in New York City. Our friend Joe Borelli of Staten Island had a great piece in the Post looking at how of about 4,500 gun arrests in New York City, about 1,000 of them, something like 900 and change, effectively were made to go away. And they're either going for lesser sentences, they're going for plea bargains for much lower charges, saying, oh, it's a, it's a minor drug charge. Well, actually, you just decided not to charge the gun crime. They're doing this time and time again, and it's because they don't want to be seen to be coming down too hard disproportionately on communities where there's already, unfortunately, far too much gun violence. Yeah, but letting violent people with firearms yeah. walk doesn't help the population of cities, people who've already bearing the brunt of this it, stuff. It, it's amazing when they're talking about magazine restrictions and gun show loopholes. We all know that most of the violence, first of all, is coming from, is coming from handguns. It's related to criminal activity. A lot of it is gang violence, and it's centered in majorly in, in cities all across the country. Right. So if you wanted to do something about that, you would think you would handle more the criminal element through the judicial process, through the criminal justice process. What we've seen, the district attorney's office in New York is a perfect example of this, and people have kind of woken up to this now, Tucker. They have made it so hard and so onerous to prosecute lower-level gun crimes, meaning possession, lower-level crimes across the board intentionally, that they have to let a lot of it go. Effectively stop prosecuting people because that will yeah. make us safer. Right, so y our voters get guns, yours don't. I mean, I, we've seen this before. That's, that's what this is. Buck Sexton, I appreciate your coming. Because their voters are a bunch of moron criminals that want to shoot each other in the streets with illegal guns, and somehow they're going to be let out in the streets. You better believe that they're going to treat, <laughs> they're going to treat people who violate the uh, red flag law, or, or they're going to be in violation of red flag, which is not a law at all. It's a... Uh, it's where if I, if I don't like uh, what you're wearing today, I could make a, a, a complaint. And it, as soon as you have that complaint, the red flag law says you, you shouldn't have a gun. But, you know, it's, it's uh, you better believe that they're going to crack down when they come, when Beto O'Rourke comes knocking down, knocking on your door. They're going to raid your house and confiscate your guns and make an example out of you. And they'll treat the gangbanger who's robbing stores at gunpoint and they'll let them walk free. And that's the kind of thing that we just can't have. And as soon as it starts doing that, you just got to understand 
that the government is not your friend. The government is your enemy. And at some point, we, we have to stop financing the enemy. So, Terry writes, government wants you disarmed because they plan to do something to you. You would shoot them for, I'm, re- uh, I'm ready for succession 2.0. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, what are they up to? Yeah, of course, they're, we know what they're up to. They're up to uh, taking over your civil rights and your, uh, they're going to trample over your human rights while they, while they get that. Um, you know, this whole one world order, uh, we're going to be represented by people we don't even know. Uh, they're going to be in control of our lives. These people from third world countries that are running the show in these, these uh, corrupt institutions are going to be in control of your lives before you know it. And they're going to use pandemics and genocide and human, uh, inhumane um, pandemics to gain their power. They're going to use every single chaotic and inhumane uh, thing that they can. And they did it with COVID. And they did it to rig elect. They used COVID to rig elections. They used COVID to gain a footing on social credit score systems. You know, and so many other things. Meanwhile, they're fleecing. You know, I read this thing. It's so true. Foreign aid is just just a code word for, you know, kickback corruption. Foreign aid is, is that's what it is. It's anytime we give foreign aid, every bit of money that's being given out by our government is being given out to somebody who owes them now a debt. You know, if I'm an institution and you give me a grant, Fauci comes and he gives me a grant and I, to do a research, and I get to increase my salary and, uh, you know, investigate and do research on things that are interesting to me, and all I have to do is work on an outcome, basically I spend all this money you know, I might spend I might spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out a point of view, trying to get to the bottom of something, and I have a suspicion that the Democrats are guilty and the Republicans are being unfairly treated. Whatever that is. And I might spend two days researching to try to fact find. If at the end of the day I might come up and say, you know what, I didn't find it. And I'll report that. But, you know, if you were to uh, give me enough time, I can put the square peg in the round hole. And I can figure out a way to, 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 to find the truth in, in just about anything. Most of the time, though, it is the case that the Democrats are screwing the Republicans unfairly. Of course. But what I'm saying is, is that the Democrats are paying using conservative tax dollars to pay for research that helps, you know, push the whole notion of climate change or or COVID restrictions or whatever it is that they need help on. 
and they're they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to prove their case, whereas the Republicans get nothing. So we can't even have the argument because we don't have enough money to do our own research to debunk or counter their research. And that's the problem. So they get the one-way argument. Well, we we did a study of uh, how many lab rats and how many of this and how many of that and how many did you do? It's like, well, we didn't have any funding, so we had none. But, you know, in all of our research that we've done, it's been pretty low budget, we've come up with something that says what you're saying isn't true. Well, your study's rejected. Our study was picked up in a very friendly ally uh, publication like Lancet. And uh, never mind the fact that everybody that's on the board is getting paid and is on everybody that we're funding is on the board of uh, Pfizer and and all these other com- companies that are supporting our agenda. And that's the inside track. And these people are corrupt. So the Times, uh, the not the New York Times, the Times of UK, just came out with a piece, World News, Hunter Biden uploaded videos of himself having sex. Hunter Biden filmed him his own low-rent home porn videos and uploaded them online. It has emerged in the latest revelation likely to embarrass his father. Dozens of videos found on a laptop abandoned by the president's son reveal that he filmed himself having sex with prostitutes and posted them on his own Pornhub account. Now, this is old news to us, but this is in a very popular um, very popular newspaper in the UK. So it's going around the world. A list of online searches covering just a week in March of 2019 obtained by the Daily Mail unearthed a fixation with pornography for the president's troubled son who has struggled for years with alcohol and drug addiction. Of the 281 websites in his browsing history, over six days, 98 were porn sites, the newspaper said. Okay, so Biden, 52, who had, Hunter Biden, who had a controversial relationship with his late brother's widow, Hallie, also repeatedly searched Pornhub for videos involving win- widows, including lonely window widow porn. He also sought instructions on how to hack a lover's mobile phone and made repeated Google searches about himself. The hard drive of the notorious laptop, which was left with a repair shop in Delaware and never collected, had become a trove of scandalous personal and financial information since... Rep- so they, you know, what did they do with that? You know, what they did, they buried it, right? I mean, I think that's worth mentioning, don't you think? That they buried this stuff. And it just goes on and on. We've been talking about this. We were called conspiracy nut jobs. We were banned so frequently on on all of the major sites, 
on the major social media sites. We were banned. And we're still fighting with all of these different bits of corruption. So we have to we have to fight back in a different way. We have to get ahead of the election rigging because they don't have they don't have the ideas. They just don't. So there's a couple of other things I wanted to talk about too. Um, there's an article that says, Stop listening to the Davos Great Reset experts who created the global energy crisis to begin with. The World Economic Forum's anti-fossil fuel prescriptions have caused an energy emergency and other impact, uh, and often impact the world's poorest populations. Last week, the highly influential World Economic Forum met in Davos to discuss its latest recommendation for the world. But since its past recommendations helped cause a global energy crisis, the WEF should have taken the occasion of Davos to apologize and examine what caused it to be so wrong. <laughs> That's like inflation, right? The liberals got it wrong on inflation. We heard Janet Yellen yesterday talk about how they got it wrong. Um, and here we are with this, the same thing. So Europe and the rest of the world are currently experiencing a global energy, they've, because they've never run a business, right? Energy crisis caused, caused by one fundamental factor under inve- investment in fossil fuels on the false assumption that unreliable solar and wind could rapidly replace them. And of course, it's never going to be able to do that, not in, the, not in the next 10 years. For more than a decade, Davos has been pushing government restrictions and ESG restrictions on fossil fuels, investments, production, and transport. The World Economic Forum, who left these guys in charge, the World Economic Forum, has used its power and prestige to push the claim that solar and wind are cheaper than fossil fuels and therefore can rapidly replace them. The much-publicized WEF Handbook on Renewable Energy Investment claimed in 2016 in an increasingly large number of countries it has become more economical to install solar and wind cap capacity than coal capacity. The claim that solar and wind are cheaper than fossil fuels is a dangerous falsehood that ignores the enormous costs of giving 24-7 life support to these unreliable forms of electricity, as well as the vast superiority of fossil fuels for many non-electricity uses, such as heavy-duty transportation and industrial process heat. The World Economic Forum has been a leader in discouraging investors from investing in the fossil fuel projects, that it's clear the world desperately needs. In 2020, WEF founded Klaus Schwab. Founder Klaus Schwab said explicitly that we should ensure that all policy making and business decisions go through the past and intergenerational impact test. It would mean investors to divest their fossil fuel portfolio and build up green energy. Uh, another initiative that under 
that's underway under auspices of the World Economic Forum. They're getting rich off of this, folks. They're getting absolutely filthy rich off of this. And it's, it's just something we have, to, we have to put an end to. It's a monopoly that they have going on for themselves. And that's the, uh, that's the thing we, we must put an end to. And the other one is this. It's just, it's just we're in an election season and we're seeing all kinds of different things moving around. You know, like Elon Musk and the moves that he's making. Um, I just got a text to, you know, uh, are the calls, are the call systems open? <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, they're open. I just opened them. So if you want to call in today, it's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-TOP-TALK. Or no, that's 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. If you'd like to call in and be heard. And I do see that uh, we got a we got a caller call in and somehow I didn't hear it ring in. But um, yeah, caller, you might want to try that call in call in again yeah um i didn't i didn't see it come in though i mean i see it came in but i all right sorry about that folks all right now we're having a little couple little technical issues there now the calls i guess people are calling in but it's not allowing me to answer the calls for some reason that's what's happening and i'm not hearing anything um all right. So we have to do a lot better. Um and you know it's interesting to see what's going on in the social media atmosphere with Elon Musk. I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And with Elon Musk, uh I don't trust him and I don't trust his judgment altogether either. He's the smart, one of the smartest men in the world. But yet, you know, what is his business with Amber Heard, right? He's got his, you know, he had a crush on Amber Heard. He gave her lots of money. She's, she's turned out to be, you know, a bit of a joke. And there's a, that's the Amber Heard part. But then there's the other part. There's, uh, you know, all the choice he made to leave the business panel under Donald Trump he left that business panel and, you know, so he wasn't there for Donald Trump at a time when our country needed to support Donald Trump. And so he wasn't there for Donald Trump. He was there for the Paris Agreement. He was there for that. And you say, well, what kind of, what kind of leadership is that? Uh, and then now, uh, you know, he wants to rebuild Twitter but he basically wants to uh, stop the hemorrhaging. And he halted by his intrusion or, in, or his involvement in the Twitter deal. He, in essence, slowed down the investments from investors who were on the fence equivocating because they weren't sure what Twitter was going to do. And it slowed down the progress that was being made by Truth Social and Getter and a whole host of others, Parler, Gab. And you got to wonder about that. And you got to say, 
was that done intentionally in an election year to slow things down? And now he's acting like he would vote for a Republican. I don't necessarily believe him, number one. And number two, if, he, if he's being sincere, what is that going to do to his uh, shareholders? What is that going to do to the, the people that buy his cars? Are they going to say, you know what, we're going to go with a Prius instead and not buy Tesla? And then what's that going to do to the Tesla brand? which I think is starting to lose money. So I think he miscalculated because he doesn't understand the world of politics or I don't think he has a lot of emotional IQ. I think he's intelligent when it comes to logic. But when it comes to common sense, I don't necessarily think Elon Musk is up to, to snuff. And that's my take on that is is that that uh, I think he's going to lose both sides of the, the coin. And uh, that's what seems to be playing out. And uh, all right. So I got one more one more article I wanted to cover today. Um, and this is a piece written by Helen Raleigh. It says, how, how Americans can fight China's Cold War Without Rules. So a book by Air Force General Robert Spalding, War Without Rules, highlights how the CCP is willing to fight dirty to achieve global dominance. Of course, they've been fighting dirty. Now, I have this. I have a Spalding, a Spalding book. I have his last book. Um, but uh, this one is his new one. And he says, since Russia invaded Ukraine, many people have wondered if China will be motivated to invade Taiwan soon. Should that happen, will the United States and China fight a war over the future of Taiwan? And of course, Biden sort of said he did, he would, but we don't have the muscle in that area to pull, to, to even back it up to back up our own words. And I don't think the uh, world has the stomach for disrupting supply chains like that. And frankly, I think it would be a disaster for China also to engage in such a war that would impact their supply chain and crumble them uh, like a house of cards built on sand. So Spalding's book doesn't present any new thesis. Instead, it explains the idea presented by another book published more than two decades ago. That book was titled Unrestricted Warfare. It was written by two Chinese People's Liberation Army colonels. Um, and it says, in Unrestricted Warfare, the two colonels argue that the China, that China must learn not to rely on armed forces alone to achieve global dominance. Instead, future warfare is using all means, including armed force and non-armed force, military and non-military, and lethal and non-lethal means to compel the enemy to accept one's interests. Well, in any case, Trump had this figured out. Trump understood all this. And Trump understood that the war with China is an economic war. To get them to, uh, you know, basically 
um, answer to the United States, who is their biggest customer? As if, as if we're their biggest client state in the sense that they need our business. And they wouldn't do anything to threaten that relationship. Otherwise, we would be in a position to find supply chains elsewhere. And we could get it out of India. And you recall that President Trump had really great relationship building with uh, Modi in India. Uh, he was also working, working things with a lot more mutual respect uh, in South, South America and Central America. And we can get a lot of our supply chains that way. And people like, you know, France even, and Trudeau in Canada um, had to answer to Donald Trump because Donald Trump was going to be renegotiating all of these different trade deals. Instead, they just sort of are engaged in their power grab right now in the wake of COVID, exploiting every benefit to that that affords them uh, on behalf of their globalist agenda. And they think that they're there. They think that they're close. They think that they're almost to the finish line. They think that the people are almost breaking. Uh, but what they don't understand, and I, I think that they're failing to see, is the absolute landslide victory that's going to be happening in 2022. The, the complete and utter beatdown. And the paper uh, puppet president that Biden will become as soon as he loses both the House and the Senate. And he will no longer have the muscle. He will have squandered all of America's equity for any kind of leverage to get anything done. And I think that would be the, the way to go. We almost have to fight our own country to get it back. And that's sad that we're at a place where we actually have to do that. But that's what we have to do. In any case, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org and buglecall.org. Buglecall.org. To find out what we're doing to support America First policies to make America great again, our whole board is posted up on buglecall.org uh, under About Us and then our board. Uh, and you can see all the people on our board and a lot of really quality people. Uh, we're doing a lot of good work over there. And be sure to take advantage of the mattress sale that they have going on over at MyPillow.com. But use Red State as your promo code for that. And with that, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on the radio. But folks, enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.